Hola, hola, it's your girl Erica from America. Welcome to the Confidence Chronicles podcast. This podcast is all about helping you stand in who you are. Stop giving a fuck what people think about you. Start standing as your fully expressed self. As you are, as is, there is no filter needed. You are fucking awesome, and I am here to remind you. I'm a confidence coach, and I'm a bold stand for confidence, and I cannot wait to dig into today's episode with you. My love, welcome back to the podcast. I have an amazing beautiful woman and guest for you today to connect with Miss Maddie from Yarley Creative. She is a dear friend. I connected with her at an event that we had and now I am a massive supporter of her work, of her art. She's an Aboriginal artist, a mother, an incredible human being and in today's episode we talk the importance of Aboriginal art culture. We talk about motherhood. We talk about hustling in your business. It is the most amazing conversation and she's the most incredible human you can check out all her details and info in the show notes without further ado please enjoy today's podcast episode with maddie from yarley creative yo i am so happy you are here maddie welcome to the podcast i'm so excited I want to start as well, because in very much Maddie fashion, who has taught me so much, I love you, woman, I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of this land. The land that I live on is the Boon Wurrung, and I pay my respects to the elders past, present, and emerging. Beautiful. Well done. Watch out, girl. <laughs> um, I, too, would like to acknowledge the land that I'm working, living on. Um, I'm on Wurundjeri land. Um, so I'd like to pay my respects to the elders um, who are here today and who guide us, who stay with us and who allow me to work and do my creative space in, in on their land. Um, I'm a Yorta Yorta Jajarung and Jamilaroi woman, so this isn't my country. Um, I'd also like to pay homage to my ancestral ties and especially my grandmother. Um, I grew up on my grandmother's country on Yorta Yorta country um, and I've been here in Melbourne for 10 years, I think. Wow, 10 years. Hmm. So I know that I gave your intro, but to anybody who's listening, tell us who you are and what you do. I have so many questions to ask you and, you know, we're good friends and we, we talk a lot, but to anybody who's listening, maybe just give a little intro as to what you do and who you are. Yeah, no problem. Um, so I... As I said, I'm an Aboriginal woman. Um, I'm a mother of two. I have a four-year-old Marley and mm-hmm. I've got a 11-month-old Yindi. I am an artist. I'm a business owner. I'm an endometriosis warrior. I'm a family violence survivor. I'm a human rights advocate. Um, <laughs> I am all these things, but at the moment I am on maternity leave and I have amplified my business, Yali Creative, Yali Creative was born from my two children's names. So Yindi and Mali created Yali. Ah, um, yes. Yeah, I love that. Um, previously I was under a different name, so Mulana Dreamings, and that was before I had children. Mulana means spirit. Mm. So I was on my own journey at that time and I think that once I had children I wasn't connected to that anymore. Um, I'd moved on from that space and I needed something that, resonated with what and who I was after that I love this I love that you combined it so you do amazing art you're super creative not only art but clothing and hats and masks now that we're in this COVID situation (laughs) Um, I really want to acknowledge you and pay respect to you because you have two kids a little how old your baby said 18 months 11 11 months girl okay so you basically have under one-year-old and to everybody listening, uh, you would have seen, you know, Yarly Creative on my Instagram and we share and even her Instagram, whether you live in Australia or not, your business went crazy. You kind of became, you went everywhere. You did the masks, which are my favorite masks to wear. You were in shopping centers. You got a pop-up going on in Sydney right now. Like, talk to me about how all that happened. You don't need to go back to work, girl. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> I'm hoping so. Um, as I said, like, 
I, I launched in um, March. So oh, I went, wow. maternity leave started, you know, last year and I'd been working in the corporate world and the space um, and the government space. So, you know, my background, I'm a, I've studied public health and sociology, so completely different to my arts, mm. but I've always, always, always been a creative and always loved to create beautiful visual things and and things that you can read and things that you can absorb yourself in. So I've always loved creating. Um, and then so in March I we all went, as you know, in um, Melbourne, Australia, we went into um, ISO and lockdown and, and we were restricted to our homes. And I've suffered with anxiety um, and depression and my postnatal anxiety got really bad um, and then when we went into this ISO phase, I needed something to really focus my energy on, something that I had control of and something that I could um, create that was positive and, and make people happy and, and enjoy what I'm creating. So mm-hmm. I really launched myself into Yali Creative and I just started to paint and create so much more than I have ever because I had the time. And, and when I look back, it's, it's almost really positive timing, really, like yeah. being on maternity leave and then being at home. And I was able to just focus on creating. Also had to focus on motherhood as well. But yeah. I, <laughs> I was able to put some energy into creating these beautiful pieces. And, yeah, just, it's just snowballed and evolved from there. I cannot believe it's been since March. I just went, what? Like this year. <laughs> It's grown immensely and you've been, I, I, you know, I, everybody says to me, how do you do it? You do so many things and you got kids and you got all the women, but I think about you. And I said this to you on Instagram, I'm like, how do you do it? Like you're creating art, you're making things with your hands, like creation and having a baby and a toddler and being in isolation. I, I imagine that this would have helped to keep you busy as well and not be in anxiety or in depression. Or did you experience that? Do you think as well in isolation? I still had moments and, and I've spoken openly about the fact that this year I was focused on um, making sure that my mental health was under, under control and that I was feeling good. And, you know, I have to fill my cup before I can fill my everyone else's and my kids' cup. So I made the choice to um, seek some help and I, I went on antidepressants, which awesome. has really cleared my mind. I think that for me personally, I tried everything. I tried, you know, healthy eating, um, meditation, and I still do all of that stuff. Yeah. But I think I needed that extra bit of help because I've suffered for so long that it's actually cleared my mind up and I had all of this space in my head. So then I was able to create. Um, awesome. Yeah, you got to know what's good for you. And this is to everybody out there listening. And I always say it, it's like, there's not a one way, you know, sometimes my mom takes medication, she needs to, it's so good for her. And that's her way. That's what you needed. And then when you feel it's so individual, and this experience, someone I just had Kemi on the podcast, and she's amazing. And she said to me that she heard a story of like, um, somebody said how COVID is like a storm. And we're all on different boats, but it's the same storm. We're just we're, we're just in different boats dealing with it in such a different way. And it's such a perfect analogy because we're all going to move through this in our own individual way. There's no right way, right? Like this is some shit we haven't seen before. Yeah, I love that analogy. I think that's so clever. Yeah. It really encapsulates what we're all going through together, but separately. Yes, yes. It's like you get to be on your boat and do your thing, <laughs> you know, not throwing stones at the boats. Um, okay, so growing up, you grew up, where, where, where did you grow up and how was your culture introduced? Was it straight from the beginning? Did you know about your culture and your beliefs and the culture and the history? Did you learn it along the way? How was your childhood? I think it was a bit of a mixture, really. So I, I always identified ever since I was little. Um, and that's how Mali is now. He says that he's an Aboriginal boy. He connects with the Aboriginal flag and he knows who his mobs are and all of that sort of stuff. So I think from early on, I always knew that I was an Aboriginal girl. And I took that through high school, primary school, kinder and everything. You know, I, I always had that in my identity, but I think that it's still a learning journey, regardless of if you've grown up, um, immersed in your culture or, or if you haven't. I feel like for Aboriginal people, especially due to, you know, colonisation and things that we've endured um, 
in history, I think that it's still a learning journey and there's still, especially in Victoria, so many elements to unpack. Um, I was saying recently that I, I'm only just learning my language right now yeah. and I'm trying to absorb myself in that so that I can teach my children, so that I can continue that culture and the language. But it not long ago in, I think it was 2012, I mentioned that there was only 63 speakers of Yorta Yorta language and they've been trying to revitalise it because when um, our mob was put on the mission, they were told they couldn't speak their language. And and that then created this ripple effect of, you know, people losing that. And, and you know, that's why I talk about the journey because I guess everyone's on their journey in learning who their identity is and who they are. I was probably grade four when I said to my mum, you know, who am I? And in, in And when I said who am I, it was more about who am I in this world but also who will I be? And, and I had I ha- always mm. had this spiritual connection that was so strong and it was I couldn't place my finger on it and people would always say you're so spiritually connected, you're so connected to this this bigger source and, and I always felt that. And I think, you know, that journey continues now. Um, I absorb myself as much as I can in my culture. I read and I learn and I talk to my elders and, I'm constantly checking in with my nan and and she's always open to yarning about who, you know, my family is, my connection and our staunchness and and then yeah, it's it's amazing like how much it makes you feel whole. Mm. I know that I was when I first had come to Australia, I knew nothing about the culture, I knew nothing about it and it wasn't and I tell people always because you got to call yourself out and keep it real. But for me, it wasn't until the Black Lives Matter movement happened here. So, you know, being from America, obviously that was always happening. It's just getting recorded now. And now social media, we have the ability to bring awareness to non-black people and non-people of color, you know, and, and see, holy shit, this is what's going on. And I think when it came here and it really blew up here, I said, I saw, said this to you before, but I was like, shit, actually, I don't know anything about what's going on in the Aboriginal culture and the Torres Strait Islander people here. I don't know anything about the Black Lives Matters movement here. And it made me think about my country as well, Puerto Rico, because we have black Puerto Ricans, we have white Puerto Ricans, we have, and there's racism within, it's black skin racism. It's not like black people, African or Aboriginal. It's a, it was a skin thing for us. So it made me really look at Australia. And as an American, I've been here like 10 years as well in Australia. It made me go, whoa, what's going on here? And I just then started, just 2020, started to uncover the stone on the culture and the people and what I know and what I don't know. There's a lot I don't know. But I just got like a hunger and also a you have got to understand if you're going to be here, like a deep respect, because also we're spiritual, we love shamanic work. And to me, the Aboriginal culture feels so, to me, if I feel like I understand it as in what they believe, what the elders believe, what they used to believe, what what's, you know, being with nature and, and the beautiful balance of nature and the respect of the land. And, and I'm like immersed and realizing that everybody who's lived here didn't feel that way until maybe this year. And it was shocking to me because I'm like, y'all have been here. Like, this is where you live. But then everybody's telling me the schools never taught it. So what's the take on this? Like, it, it blows my mind. It's so interesting to me. And obviously I'm deep in it and I have a lot to learn, but what is your take on this? Oh, you've, you've just. <laughs> Do we have 17 hours? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously though, like school, that's the first thing that you said. And that, yeah. like that, you know, that, resonates with me because I grew up and I went to primary school and we barely learned anything. So obviously I had my own family to teach me and I had my own, you know, connection. But other kids, like Aboriginal culture needs to be taught in in a respectful way. Not not so much the culture, sorry, but perspectives. Aboriginal perspectives in curriculum need to be taught more. Mm. It needs to be understood that we are the first peoples of this country and it's the oldest living the oldest yeah. living culture in the world it's it's amazing that we have this in australia so it surprises me that so many people don't see that as such a beautiful thing 
and it's a part of it's a part of everyone. So it's a part of Australian culture, I guess you could say, in a sense. And and I that can be quite divisive. But I think that you know you're living on Aboriginal land, you're living on this country. You should understand what has happened, and that's all yes. the ugliness as well that you yeah. know colonization brought. But then understand we had these amazing ways of being and and these ways of being that kept us safe for so many years and so many centuries. I think, you know, that's brilliant. Like it's amazing. Mm, mm. The ecological systems, the, you know, how like. Yeah, know, it gives me chills. It's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually beautiful. I was looking up in Bayside um, when we first connected about the acknowledgement and, and the welcome to country and, you know, at events and we were first talking about that. And I had watched this video that they had on the Bayside website, and there was a Banjo's Law. Do you know who that is? Who is that? that oh, no, I don't know that Banjo's yeah, Law. Yeah, so I don't know. He's. It was like he was a god in this video, and it was about Bayside, which is, you know, the, where we hang near the beach. And he was talking about how he got upset because the people weren't keeping the balance with, like, nature and, and – uh, the balance with nature and themselves and they were being mean to nature and they were treating the land wrong. And so the, the ocean got really angry and was like, it's, it almost felt like, and I'm not religious at all, like church religious, but I was in a cult for a little while. Um, anyway, it was like, it looked like Moses story. Like he parted the sea with his spikes and was like, told the sea to stop crashing down on the people and said to the people, you need to look after the children and you need to look after the land and everything will be cool. And I was just like, there's so much we can learn from that. Like, I think it just seems so natural. Like, of course, be nice to the land, be kind to the birds, to the animals, to where we live and breathe. And like, it kind of blows my mind that yeah, it's not like it you said. Yeah. Like, it's not like they're saying pray to, <laughs> you know, pray to the sky and there's aliens. I don't know, something crazy. I do believe in aliens, but anyway, <laughs> you know, it's like, Let's be kind to the land and be kind yeah. to the people. Like I don't know. Otherwise, it's... it will be angry. And and when of you said the <laughs> when you said the parting of the sea, it reminded me of. Sorry, I've got kids, but Moana. that's all right. Yeah, I know, girl. That was a soundtrack to my book writing. <laughs> that part makes me cry. It's because you think about it, and this is something that to the listeners, we see this in movies, we see this everywhere. That that humans, that the human species, just takes and overconsumes and dirties the water and does the things and so if anything in australia like the aboriginal culture is the awakening of hey like remember who you are remember what we're here to do like what is going on in your um uh what's the mind like the money and power and consumption mind it's almost like a, a deep meditation to come back to self and land yeah, and, and the way that I feel connected and many other Aboriginal people feel connected is going back to their country and taking off their shoes and putting their feet on the, the earth and, and being on the ground and, and just being with yourself, being with your ancestors, listening, closing your eyes and just imagining that you're connected to country. It just makes you feel whole. Like it, it's something that's so innate. Mm. Do you feel like maybe the people of Australia, the non-Aboriginal people and the people from this country don't maybe have a connection to it? Does that make sense? Like they don't have, you know, uh, history, stories, nothing. Because I know Hamish was telling me about Australia and like how it was convict land and how they brought the people from the UK. And so many people have connection to the UK but don't know their history. Yeah. How do you think about that? I don't know. I wouldn't. Yeah, I couldn't speak to that because... Um, Aboriginal. Yeah. No, I know. I'm just thinking like how, no, you know, no, like no, you try yeah. to make up like what's, <laughs> I always try as a coach, I sit in people's shoes and I go, what is the, yeah, you know, the people, what is that? Cause I do this so many people now that are appreciating and, and, and going to rallies and speaking up for the Aboriginal community. I feel more now than ever I've been in Australia. Right. In regards to, we talked about school and how school, I know now my children's school, they talk about the flag, they're, they're educating, I don't know at what extent, but there, there is education in there. Talk to me about schools. Do you know if that's shifting and changing now because your kids are in childcare or do you? See, I find that, um, like, I don't know, it's really hard because most kinders 
I think, you know, as I said, Marley can now do the acknowledgement to country and, and I was, you know, teaching him that, but also his kinder was reinforcing that as well. Nice. So that's so beautiful. But I still think there's some, a level of fear yeah. in, in teaching Aboriginal perspectives in the curriculum. Um, and, and I think educators should understand that there is a difference between teaching culture and teaching perspectives. And so what we would like is for them to embed those perspectives into their curriculum. Where they get stuck is that they don't know where that fine line is between mm. teaching culture and teaching perspectives. So, for example, teaching um, someone how to do art, so Aboriginal art, would be would be inappropriate because that's teaching culture so that's mm-hmm. teaching the stories i think that if you taught children about what the symbols represented to aboriginal people and then got the children to um in a sense be not influenced but to create their own stories using their own symbols and then create their own creation story would be yeah. a way for them to connect to that so that, that is completely different to actually teaching children how to dot paint or how to, you know, and dot painting um, is actually not from Victoria. It's, it's you know, central Australia. So making sure you're teaching the right things on the right country and starting local, so with the local mm. Aboriginal people, then branching out. So making, yeah, like I said to you, yeah, acknowledge the traditional owners of the land you live on and then branch out out. yeah yeah yeah. and it's really true because I remember when you were speaking about it just getting to know not only who owns your land googling you know whatever council you live on okay who are they but actually going into the story and the history and when I was reading about where we live it was so beautiful to see that the mob moving from one place to another had to ask days in advance if they could come to that land because there was only a certain amount of, of resources on that land and they didn't want the land. It's always about like preserving the land, which is if you look at any ancient culture, it's always about that. It's about the respect of, so it's not like, it just feels so in my Spanish culture or Puerto Rican culture, it feels like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Like to me, I'm like, I get it. I understand it. So I, I, I can't imagine, I don't know, but I can imagine how frustrating it is when the people who run this country now, don't acknowledge and things like the tree being cut down and you know the things that's happening in northern territory like it's just so school yes because that's what we can learn and catch our children which is the future but government is there what do you think needs to happen i know that that's a massive question every time i ask somebody (laughs) who's aboriginal like girl what like but you know what do you think is the main how can we do something besides people right people are definitely helping but what needs to happen here? That is a hard one. That's a really hard one. And there's so many things that we could be doing. Um, and as I said, the education is is starting, I guess, from mm. the next generations are. But then it's also about the parents and the generations above coming, meeting the child and, and learning from the child because I guess, you know, your children teach you so much yeah. as well. So bringing those two together and then also... I guess having more Aboriginal representation across many areas mm. of where we see. So, you know, television programs, news reporters on mainstream TV, not just on Aboriginal t- NITV, on mainstream TV, having more Aboriginal representative in government as well, you know, having a group of Aboriginal people in government that speak to the voices. Yes. It's really hard. So because there's so many nations, that would be incredibly challenging as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know how to answer that question other mm. than all of these different answers that could possibly make up a piece to the puzzle. But collectively, I think you touched, you hit the nail on the head. It is education of not only children but the people here and then moving into governments and and you know, diversifying, seeing people out there, especially when you're a child growing up and you're Aboriginal and you don't see yourself represented. It's like, what's going on? Why is it, you know what I mean? You think about that child or that family and and what they're looking to. And unfortunately we do get influenced by social media and television, especially our kids, you know, it's, this is the world they're going to be raising up in now. So 
Yeah, it's it's a really hard one. And also, mm. I guess, um, acknowledging the history as well. I think that's really important. Acknowledging, yeah. you know, having that truth-telling and having our leadership, our prime minister acknowledge that. Having, yes. having them acknowledge the history, acknowledge that our land was never ceded and that this is Aboriginal land first, I think that's really important because it comes from the top down. You know, I've heard this analogy, um, the fish rots from the head. Yeah. <laughs> so true. And I think it does because the head is the yeah the person that begins everything. It begins the the social injustices. It begins the um, the education. It, everything it comes from the top. Mm. And, and we could can, we could yeah. do so much. Like Aboriginal people can try and educate, and educate, and push, and and get that information out. But it's it's up to an individual to really take that on and own it. And like what you said before, um, how you didn't know anything but and you're acknowledging that you didn't know anything, but you're also you're open and you're yeah. willing. You're willing to learn. Yeah. And it really is our responsibility to, you know, educate ourselves and not expect other people to educate us. Because now that you know, or whatever limited amounts that you know, and I say this to all the listeners, it's like there's so many things that you can do, even if it's just on your land where you live, even if it's just where you work, even if it's just your country that, that you that you spend time on, where your kids are. If you have kids, teaching them about it, watching the movies, there's so much. I just checked Netflix the other day. There's so much. I was like, yes, I'd never seen so much Aboriginal stories on Netflix ever. Like, I've never seen that. And That's I think amazing. I watched something and it started showing me more and I'm like, yes, because someone like myself, who I'm not Australian, you know, yet trying to get that citizenship fast though. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I don't want to go back to America anytime yet. I love you, America, but I'm going to stay here. Um, <laughs> you know, for me, I'm like, I can watch and I can share, you know, and if I can share that with my audience. So everybody listening, whether you have five followers or 50,000 followers, doesn't matter. Like if you can educate yourself and share what you know, share the petitions, understand what's going on in Australia, especially Australia. Like I just, from Instagram heard about something that they're doing in the Northern Territory with, and they do this in America with putting up liquor stores in areas where lowest socioeconomic. Yeah. It's like, especially that's a dry area. So that's like, that's actually dry. Like, Hey, we want to be dry. So it's like saying to Alcoholics Anonymous, Hey, I'm going to bring, you know, some kegs to your, to your gathering when, you know, these uh, they're trying to stay. And that's amazing that that area is dry by the way, because you know, when you're in these low socioeconomic places, like in the hood, there's a liquor store, gun store, liquor store, gun store. That's what is on the hood. And it's like, what do you think people are going to do? Like, they're going to do drugs, they're going to drink, it's going to ruin the community. And and if we, if we don't, if we don't see, if I didn't see that on Instagram, I can't share it, we don't know. So literally to everybody in Australia listening, like, follow the accounts, like I posted about them, get on there, like, understand what's happening and it may not be that you, because I know that uh, activist fatigue, activism fatigue is a real thing. I know we're, we can all feel like, oh, my gosh, you know, it's so much. But just sharing. Yes. And just sharing, following yeah. and trying to learn and listen, like mm. listen from Aboriginal people, listen from firsthand what's happening. And then and then taking that on and saying, OK, well, this is happening. And Aboriginal people are, you know, 3% of the population. How can I be a good ally? and support how can i show allyship and and help this movement or you know sign that petition or share that account you know even as simple as there's an account that i i find really amazing and it's the um blackfella book club mm. so you know she's sharing amazing aboriginal books all the time that you can absorb yourself with you know if you're a reader that would be a great place to start mm. You always have such great things when you share on your page. And I think that one of the most amazing things, and I read this with you or we chatted about it, was the art, like where we buy art from and where what businesses we support. And I was blown away to hear that there are people who are not Aboriginal creating art and sharing it and getting money for it and all of that jazz. Is that something that's still happening? It is. It is definitely. And um, often... People overseas rip off Aboriginal artists and create products and then start selling them. 
um, and you see ads come up, you know, in Facebook or Instagram sometimes and, and you know that it's fake, you can just tell mm. that it's fake art. You can and tell, yeah. Yeah, like it's yeah. Really, yeah, I can tell. <laughs> yeah, she's like, mm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's really sad because is there not another way to make money? Like mm. I, it's, there's, there's got to be another way because this, like our stories and our art is is stories like they're they're our creation stories they're a part of who we are they're our heart and soul and I can speak as an Aboriginal artist myself you know these stories that I create are mine and I'm sharing them with the world but they are mine and you know you can borrow them but don't steal it you know Mm. they are my stories and if I've created a story that is very very close to me it's it's almost like you're stealing a part of who I am and you're stealing my identity Yeah. yeah And there are so many amazing, incredible artists, and you are one of them. And you're going to make a piece for our house, which I'm so excited about. And you said to me, I'm like, even still, I'm learning, girl, from you, right? I'm like, oh, yeah, so we got these colors, and this is the size or whatever. And you're like, cool, I want to know the story of your home and the story of your family. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, that makes me so happy because it's not just something that I buy. It's like makes me like emotional it's like a piece of our family yes yeah yeah it's it's more about so it looks beautiful yes Mm. but it's more about the story that it's telling and and I want you know people to have that conversation so why did you create that what is happening in the story you know what are the Mm. symbols representing because our symbols represent different things and you know when you look at a piece of art and a piece of Aboriginal art, it's not just about the aesthetics. It's a, It's got so much more and there's so many layers. And that's why I asked you, so you need to tell me about you. You need to tell me about your your family, your story. You know, and I know a lot of your story because I've listened to every single one of your podcasts. <laughs> now you're going to listen to this one. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, I want to know more, like, and yeah. that's the thing. And, and when I have a conversation and have a yarn with you it's I'm getting things and I'm seeing visuals and and then I create wow I love that I love that that's why it is a spiritual experience because it's not just and you think about your hand and the art and how you create art and if you're a singer or a writer or it's art right you're making this this art and you guys use a lot of story and it's beautiful too because when you see you recently posted a a belly a pregnant belly and it was so amazing and I didn't know the story of it but I could feel you know and I interpreted my version of it but then you also get to read about what it is so there's all these beautiful interwoven appreciations of of art it's amazing yes and I think I heard someone say the other day that they've this is the most they've ever seen art because being in isolation, especially yeah. in Melbourne, this is the most we've ever seen art because it's more accessible. You know, we've now got online um, platforms and digital galleries. So, you know, I was telling you that my exhibition starts today with yes. the Fringe Festival. Oh. Um, so my exhibition is called Healing Through Buliana, which means pregnancy. So I'm going into um, my pregnancy journey as an Aboriginal woman, um, having a traumatic first birth to then having a healing second birth and then throughout womanhood and how that's changed and shifted me as a person. Oh, my gosh. And then you have a pop-up as well in Sydney right now? Yep, yep. And so that's that'll be moving on to a different state. So stay tuned. Um, We're hoping to, you know, have it move around which would be beautiful because Melbourne (laughs) yes wow that's great that's been amazing and that's with other Aboriginal artists and businesses and creatives um so it's not just my pop-up but it's about First Nations businesses and buying black and then supporting small as well so yeah I think this year has been really interesting for me like seeing how much support there is around buying small now. And I think that's amazing because you're actually, you know, every time I get a sale, I do a happy dance and I'm excited and and like Marley even gets excited now because he hears the the noise of it and he's like, mommy, mommy, we got one. (laughs) So like he gets excited. I get excited because this is my life and this is my creations. This is me, you know, and Mm. I want to be transparent. I want to show up and I am self-determining my future and my family's future. I am a mum 
being able to be at home with my children, but also being able to be independent as well mm. and strong, mm. you know. Do you have do you have many women in your community, many elders that you sit with, or how is the woman sistership in your community? Do you have that? I know that you were born somewhere else, but do you get to see that or create that for yourself? Yeah, now? definitely. I've got so many amazing women around me and you know, I surround myself with amazing black women and there is so many. Like Yeah. And that's not just here in, in Melbourne. I think there's a you know, a great greater stretch across the nation. I've created so many connections with people from all over Australia, mm. Aboriginal women who are in business who are killing it. And I think it's just so amazing because we are the matriarch and we are, as I said, the birth givers. We are phenomenal. Women are just, yeah. Bomb. Y'all yes. are bomb. It's so good. And and how has it felt for you with social media as well? Like how has that expanded and created the connections and the, because you've been probably sending pieces around Australia and maybe have you sent global yet? Yeah. <gasps> Yay. Yes. Oh my God. It's like a double happy dance. <laughs> I, I sent one to California, which oh, was wow. super exciting. Okay. So um, she does international shipping to all my American and yes. UK listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I did ship one to New Zealand too. So that was wow. cool. Wow. Yeah. The one in um, California though, she was, um, she worked in um, like, uh, she was a nurse in um reproduction so she loved my my uterus piece that I did because as I told you before I'm an endometriosis um survivor as well so sufferer warrior whatever you want to say but um I've created art that you know is about me and and my journey too so Mm. it's um she connected with that wow what what happens for you when you're in the studio and you're making art like what what where do you find that inspiration? What like happens? Is there a process or some ritual or is it just like you get into it from how does it happen? Um, it can happen a lot of ways. Like I could be listening to music and it could spark something. Then I'd be like, oh, I need to do some art. And I grab either I'll get my iPad out, do some digital stuff, or I'll grab my laptop, do some digital stuff, or I'll grab a canvas and start, you know, painting. Um, otherwise it's an experience that I've had or a story that I've read or yeah, it's, it's really crazy. Like I just, I have a easel set up and in our, like, it's basically, you know, between the kitchen and the front and I walk past it every day from my bedroom to the kitchen. It's, it's always there. There's an easel with canvas of some kind on that easel and I walk past and I look at it. And then I walk past, I look at it again. And then, <laughs> it's calling you. <laughs> and sometimes I'll grab like a paintbrush and, a, and, you know, some paint and I'll do some extra stuff on it and I'll walk past again. And, and I just, and then from our kitchen, <laughs> so my studio is, is my kitchen as well, like is my um, dining area. I've set up like this studio area plus it's a dual purpose sort oh, of area. And, and so when we're sitting having dinner, I can see it and I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> You're, you're immersed. <laughs> How, so it's yeah. constantly there. Um, and I want that to be, you know, I want it to be readily available so that I can feel like it's calling me. Yeah. Um, come, come paint me. <laughs> yes. And your son, does he, does he paint with you? Are, they, are the kids getting into it? Yeah. Yeah. Marley has become really creative lately and I've just loved watching, mm. you know, every day he's coming home with drawings and He's like, mommy, look what I did today. Mommy, look what I did today. He's so proud. And and he can also identify what's my artwork too. So wow. he went over to one of my friends. She minded him, you know, a few weeks ago and she has one of my prints. And as soon as he walked in, he didn't notice anything else in the house. But as soon as he walked in, he's like, that's mummy's. That's wow. mummy's art. And and it was so beautiful because she told me and I was like, oh, that like just makes yeah. my heart full because uh, he's noticing. Yeah. They get it. Who knows what he's going to do? That's incredible. It's good too because I think creating with your kids, it's a different kind of bonding. You know, it's like there's nothing to do. There's no end result. It's just the doing of it in itself, which is really beautiful. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, my love. Oh, sorry. Go. I was just going to say he's a very clever, creative soul. Um, He loves singing and music and so he's very, like, very creative. And it's beautiful just to watch and see. 
But Yindi, she's starting, like, because obviously she's quite young, um, she's starting to, like, dance and, and watch me. Like, she'll she'll dance to music that I'm playing while I'm painting or she'll watch me as I'm painting and just really curious. Like, yeah. it's, it's at that age, she's at that age where very curious. Um, and I was going to say before, when I listen to music, so, for example, I had music playing when I gave birth to Yindi. And as I said, that was a really healing birth. I was fully empowered. I was fully with myself and fully able to connect to my body. And each contraction, I was riding a wave and each wave was bringing me closer to her. But the music I played again the other week and I just started to create because that music reminded me of that moment. So Mm. there's things like, you know, outside reminds me of a moment. Music reminds me of a moment. It's all those senses, like the sensory stuff. So how was her birth? So you had, that's crazy. So she came in her way. I love how children come. They're just like, I'm going to come this way, even though you think (laughs) it's like, you're right. How was it to you healing? What did you, did you do something different for that birth to get ready? So with Marley, I was induced because I had gestational diabetes, um, which I had for both, but, um, you know, induced he was posterior so he was around the wrong way our Mm. spines were touching each other as he was birthing um I'd only dilated three centimeters in seven hours and it was just yeah it it was very traumatic um you know his heart rate dropped once I had the epidural Mm. because they wanted me to have the epidural to calm my body because I was stressed and it just wasn't working for me I didn't feel empowered I didn't feel in control everything was out of control and it was really scary so um when I was leading up to Yindi's birth you know I was constantly telling myself you can do this you're you've done this before you know I was giving myself affirmations I was trying to allow my mind to be still um because it's very hard when you've had that traumatic experience to have your mind be still and then I guess when we went into the labour, like my midwives knew what I wanted. They knew that I was, you know, wanting to be in more control. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with interventions in terms of like drugs yeah. and, and things like that because it is a hard, hard, it's hard. <laughs> hard yard, girl. <laughs> but for that time, like I was like, no, I'm going to do it. This is what I want to do for my body because I didn't like the feeling of not having control over my legs yeah. for the first time. And, yeah, so I had meditation music playing. I was able to birth in the shower. Like I just. Oh, wow. I had so much more You were standing? No, I was on my hands and knees in the shower. Okay, cool. I'd say, girl, how'd you stand? Because I couldn't go from here to there. I'm like, I'm going to (laughs) pee. I'm just going to pee right here because I can't walk two steps. Wow, that would have been so beautiful. Yeah, and then towards the end I was on the bed and and I'm going to share – a piece that someone's recreated for me um, in the next couple of days. I've got a photo that Andrew, my partner, took of me as they lifted Yindi between my legs and handed wow. her to me by birth on my hands and knees. And it was just the most empowering thing because I actually, yeah, each contraction I imagined I was on that wave and I was getting closer to her. Mm. And then the pushing was actually my favorite part because I knew yep. that it was ending. <laughs> me too. I was like, <laughs> Let's do it. That's great. Oh my gosh. So you were, you were home? No. You were at a I was at the hospital because I, um, yeah, as I said, I've had gestational both times. It's considered high risk. Yeah, Um, for sure. But they had a shower. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And a ball. So I had the the, um, exercise balls and she was like, I was allowed to move freely and yeah, Mm. much, much nicer. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I love the pushing as well. I kept saying to my husband, I'm really good at pooing and this is like my jam. I'm like, I'm going to gonna poo my baby out. I'm like, this. sorry to anybody who's uh, about to have a baby and is scared as hell. Just take a poo and you'll be great. No. <laughs> yeah, don't be scared of the pushing. Yeah. I was scared of the pushing, but the yeah. pushing was the best part. I know. And then like, I love when the movies say like, push, push, like nobody has to tell you to push girl. Like you will feel it and you will go. I think for me, I was, I pushed too much. Um, The lady was kind of like, hold on, take a minute, take a breath. I tore a little bit, but it wasn't bad. It was worth it. It's always worth it when you get your baby. Did you know you were having a girl or was it a surprise? Oh, you did. Yeah, I did. Yeah. 
Yeah. And when oh they hand, God. like when they hand you that baby, oh. Yeah. All I'm the, still when, in. Yeah. I'm still in that. Yeah. <laughs> and you can feel, I, we, I, your birth, first birth sounds like my first birth and I couldn't feel. So he came out and I wanted to cry, but I was numb. I couldn't, I couldn't cry. I had a cesarean. I was like, I don't feel anything. I was really happy. My face looked like happy, but with the second one, I was bawling my eyes out. I could feel it like my body wasn't numb. So it's a beautiful experience that you've had the duality. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Oh, so what is next for you? What do you have coming up? What is your aspiration for the, the next year coming? Oh, I, I've got lots of things happening, actually. Mm. <laughs> lots of fun, you know, collaborations that are happening, which I love collaborating because, yeah. you know, I think sharing each other's, you know, creative sides is so much, so much fun. So, yeah, I've got lots of collaborations happening. Um, I've got... Um, the Christmas catalogs coming with all black businesses, which will nice. have clickable links to their pages, their their websites. Um, and I'm doing all of this, you know, pro bono. Like it's just for to get black businesses out there. And and yeah. you know, I've got this platform where I want to empower other Aboriginal people and other Aboriginal businesses where I can because you know we're a community and and we need to support each other mm. and show the support for one another. Um, but aspirations, I just, I just want to continue to share my story and, and share images that people connect with. I just want to keep connecting with people. I, I love having a yarn with people and, you know, Instagram is my favorite thing. And so is Facebook and, you know, all the socials. I love being social. I'm the yeah. extrovert. So I've, I've made the most of being an ISO by creating connections with people. Um, and people like will message me and I, I respond to most of my messages. I get a lot, but I respond mm. and I love responding because I think it's who I am. Like I love having a yarn and, and chatting with people. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. Like there's so much I want to do. You know, I want to have stock of my images in all over the world. So if, you, yes. if anyone out there wants to have my prints in your store, Get it, yes. get, in, get in contact in America, in the UK, in wherever. Like, get in contact with me. I'd love you guys to share my stuff. Like, I think, yeah. you know, and, and sharing it is is amazing because people then get to connect with with our culture. Yeah. And that's yeah. the thing. Worldwide, you can con- then connect with our culture and, and, you know, share that story with others. And like you said, supporting small business that probably won't be small for long, I'd feel. I feel like it won't be small for long, which is very <laughs> exciting. Um, what would you say for you is the biggest lesson for, from 2020? What's your biggest lesson? My biggest lesson for me personally is I've learned that I'm capable and I'm worthy. People do like me and people do want to hear my story. People do want to talk to me and share my experiences. And that might sound strange, but I've had self-doubt and I have had confidence issues and I've been scared to put myself out there. So for me, biggest lesson is that I've learned my self-worth. Like the best lesson as well. Thank you, 2020. <laughs> yes. And we need to like catch up in person now so I can touch your face and actually yes. COVID safe. No. <laughs> uh, Maddie, thank you so much. I'm sure we're going to speak again, girl. And to everybody who is listening, go check out Maddie. Where can they find you? Shout out where they can find you, my love. You can find me all over the place. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm everywhere. Um, <laughs> um, so Instagram, Yali underscore creative. So Y-A-R-L-I. And Facebook is Yali Creative. Um, Twitter, Yali Creative. Or go to my website at www.yalicreative.com.au. Like all of my stuff yes. but um i just wanted to shout out to um one of the collabs i recently did with little ray prince um the wall decals so fabric wall decals oh my god please tell me about that because that was that's incredible that was amazing so we connected on instagram she purchased one of my prints and then we just started to have a yarn about how we could collaborate and we've created um, so I've got a piece called Yindi, um, which is oh, my daughter's name. Yeah. And it, it, for me, it represents brighter futures and, and families and togetherness. And so 
we turned that into fabric wall decals, um, you know, mural size that you can have in your nursery or your office or your house. Um, and then there's two other um, pieces that we've created into fabric wall decals as well, which are stunning. And she's just done them such a justice. Like she's just made them look phenomenal. It actually looks like you've painted on the wall. Wow. And that's what we wanted to do. So each individual dot on the sun is like an individual sticker that you place wherever you want. Wow. I'm like, should we get that for our wall? <laughs> like that yes. is amazing. Oh my God. Okay. I know I was supposed to let you go, but I have another <laughs> question for you. Tell me about the little party dress. Yeah. So um, we are, I'm collaborating with little party dress to bring uh. something next year. <laughs> so that is super exciting. Um, so you might have some wearable Yali creative that you can uh. rock to wherever. And there is a, um, a story behind the artwork that I've created for this piece. Um, of course. So it's, it's a beautiful story. And I think that, you know, you're going to really connect with it, um, you know, as a woman and, you know, wearing these clothing, feeling good in these clothing. So, um, yeah, that's something that's coming next year. Um, and scrunchico. So I've just. Yes, I love scrunchies. them. I have all their scrunchies. I'm sending some to my mom. I next love week. them. Yes. Aww. So stay tuned. Um, yeah, so I've got so many exciting little collabs happening, big there, collabs happening. Are there earrings coming or anything like that? <laughs> <laughs> Just tuning in and like we Thank need head you. scarves. Oh my gosh, I need to connect you with my with my girl um Felice who does the head scarves because yep. that would just be I'm like I would be rocking it all day. I'm oh. like my mask and the head scarf, that would be amazing. Imagine like pink ones. Oh um, my gosh. With a really beautiful message around diversity and yes. yeah. Yeah. There's a lot. You're right. There's so many collaborative things that can be created. And again, it's to enjoy the art, to enjoy the stories that are told. And this is where I think that we can really become more mindful with our consumerism. It's like, where are you buying and what are you buying? And do you know the history and the stories and who's making that and why? And to me, and it's why just, are they making it? It's the yeah. why. The why is really important. Mm. Yeah. That's really important to me is the why, why are you doing that? And you yeah. know, that's the same with anyone that I collaborate or partner with. Why am I collaborating with them? Do they fit my ethos? Um, you know, I'm very much about empowering women and mm. womanhood, motherhood, um, you know, children and the, all of that, you know, stuff is you, you'll be able to find when you look at my Instagram, you, you'll know what my ethos is. You'll know who I want to align myself with. And, and I've had to say no to people because yeah. I don't align with what they've had to offer or who they right. are. So I've yeah. said no to, to businesses and, and, you know, they're disappointed, but it's about me and my culture, me and who I am um, mm. that I need to make sure I'm looking after as well. And and also if, you know, someone comes to me and says, you know, oh, I really want this, can you make this? And if I'm not up for making it, I could say, well, I'm not going to make that, but you could go to this black business, you know, yeah. you could, you could, and I can, you know, refer. point them in the right direction yeah. and refer because I think that's what it's all about. You know, it's about sharing other black businesses as well and small businesses and and making sure that, you know, we're giving everyone a piece of the pie, but also collectively yeah, yeah. we're sharing. I've Connecting. spent so much money this year on black businesses. <laughs> yes. Small business. Yeah, me too. And, it, and that's the thing. It's like, and I, I got the thing that I was going to say. I was thinking about the appropriate, like what's appropriate and inappropriate for, because I didn't know that that was a thing. Like, again, I found that out this year. It's like I, I bought the always was, always will be top from closing the gap. Shout out to closing the gap. And, and I loved it. And I was like, okay, cool. But then I'm like, can I wear this? What can you wear? Can you put that on your wall? Can you put this image in your office? Uh, is there a way for people to know? Like, do you just straight up go ask? Or is there a way to know what's appropriate? I think, I think asking is really, really, um, you know, you're really being yeah. accountable. You're asking, you, can, you know, I've had people inbox me, can I wear that t-shirt? And I said, of course, as long as you can talk to it and as long mm. as you can explain why you're wearing it or, you know, any story about it or like you are supporting because you understand because, you know, there's always that why. And I yeah. go back to that. The why is so important. Um, and it's the same with like clothing the gap. They're phenomenal. Like I am in, they're inspirational and, um, 
Laura has shared with me like her um, mob friendly and ally friendly. So she's got some nice. like little images that yep. she puts on her um, clothing and apparel that will tell you directly, yes, an ally can wear this or no, it's only for mob. And that's good. Like I think that's really transparent and and open because she was getting questions about it as well. And I think it's really important to ask those questions, but it's also, um, you know, that accountability. Yeah, do the research, get a little Google on there and be like, hey. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And it's the same with like, um, you know, if you're wanting to collaborate with an Aboriginal artist or an Aboriginal business, you can't just, you know, expect them to and expect them to say yes or expect them to want to, even if you've got something amazing to offer. Like I think it's more about, you know, creating a relationship, building that connection with that person and then, you know, making sure that that person is being, um, you know, getting something as well because you're getting something out of it. 100%. Out of collaborating. But make sure that the artist is getting the appropriate thing out of that collaboration come and meet in the middle um and understand that because for me for example i license my artwork and a lot of aboriginal people license their artwork because aboriginal artwork there's that cultural um element and protocols to it our our art is sacred and it's important to us and important to our stories so we're letting you use that but we're we're not letting you keep it Mm. and i think too many people expect to have the it forever and and you can't with aboriginal art yeah and and i think you're right it's also again it's not a piece it's not a a product it's it's a story it's a culture it's beyond that and that's where i think just me seeing it from an american's point of view is that that's for me where i think the education needs to come in not because people are angry and they want rights and they want a sorry not because people want money not because people want more opportunity there's at the end of all of it like the story at the end of all of it the 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 intention, you know, it's like, this is the intention. It's not, it's a principle. It's not the actual, oh, this is a piece of art. It's like, oh man, this is years, thousands of years, like hundreds yeah. of thousands of years of history. And it's not just a ticker box too. Yeah. Cause I've had someone come to me and, and mm-hmm. want a piece of art turned around really quickly for their organization and quicker than I could even, you know, put the paint brush to the again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then, they were like, oh, well, we want it this way, this way, and this way. And I was like, well, yeah. are you not allowing me to create you something for your story and your – and and mm. I think the issue there was that they didn't understand that there is a story mm-hmm. and the intentions, you know, they didn't understand the intention behind Aboriginal art. Yeah. And I think we moved from like the I don't know anything to then the guilt – the guilt and I'm so bad and I'm all that shit that happened here was like all the crying and the guilt and then moved to like, now it's trending. I better do some shit about it. And then now I feel like it's like, Oh, this is a thing. And I have to actually create this and learn and make it a part of who I am being. It's not a, okay, now that's it. You know, very momentum, very long-term, like we have to make this a long-term and it's going to take time, but we have to be willing to invest that time and, and say when we're making mistakes and fucking yes. up. Oh my God. Yes. And that just reminded me, like if people don't understand that in terms of like learning about Aboriginal culture, if you're a mother, you can, you can, you know, connect that because a long-term investment is having yeah. a child <laughs> and then you know, teaching that child how to be a part of society, but also teaching them not to lick the floor or, you know, yeah. <laughs> there's so many. <laughs> don't eat that gum under that desk because who knows where that's been. Yep. Yep. No, don't, <laughs> don't poo on the floor and then pick yeah. it up. <laughs> that's what Yindi did the other day. <laughs> that is crazy. I sent my girlfriend a cup that I made and she, her son pooed in the cup, but his aim was good. And I'm like, can't use the cup anymore but damn your kid's pretty good (laughs) oh my gosh they teach us they teach us it's exciting maddie i love you and it's been my pleasure to have you um also for anybody who hasn't already seen obviously we're going to pop in her her instagram but uh you just did an amazing masterclass with business chicks with tell me about that how was that for you because you had everybody was on that call it was a party i was like yes yeah, that was really empowering to um, have Aboriginal businesses and being on a panel with such strong Aboriginal women mm. um, and talk about 
you know, our why and how we got to where we are. So I think it's incredible. And I think that, you know, Business Tricks needs to continue to have that as part of their their everything. Like, you know, just keep that momentum going and not just around NAIDOC week but continue. And that's the thing what we were talking about is, you know, all of these businesses, I guess sometimes it seems like they're jumping on NAIDOC but maybe continue that throughout the year and continue that education and continue like amplifying Aboriginal businesses or black business, Torres Strait Islander business. Just keep keep doing it as part of like your everyday. Like you amplify women, you amplify children, you amplify whoever. Whatever your business is about, well, continue that as part of the, the building blocks of it. Yeah. And it's really about being thoughtful. You know, I think before we just do what's been done. And now, you know, I'm working with a woman who is helping me to align with the right brands. Uh, in regards to charities and in regards, cause I would love, I remember sitting with a girlfriend of mine who's Aboriginal and I was like, how do I jump in and help? Like, can I go speak to groups of women? And can I, you know, can I speak to the kids that are like bad kids? Cause I was a bad kid about, and she's just like, Erica, you cannot come up in here with that. And I was like, oh, cause I didn't know, you know, I was like, I want to be of service. I want to, I don't care about photos. I just want to go do workshops that I do, you know, that you came to my workshop and see how I can serve. And she's like, It's not that way. And it was so humbling to go, that's not how it is here. Like, you can't do it like that. Uh, And, and, you know, she's probably in her 35s, 40s. So she's in between the elders and with them and how they want to do things still kind of old school and the young people like you guys and Alira and like going, I'm going to do my thing. So it's like, how do we, (laughs) you know, so she was telling me about that and how amazing that is as well, that like any culture, there's the elders and then there's the young people like, you got to meet in that middle. Yeah, you slow down and 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 learn and listen first and create yeah. those relationships first. Building that first is the most crucial thing and that could take you 6 months to 12 months. Yeah. I've worked in I've worked in Aboriginal affairs for 10 years and and you know as I said before this isn't my community and I've worked in this community and to start with I had to take it slow and 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 listen and and learn and and create relationships with people and and you know sometimes I've worked in organizations where I have a non-aboriginal boss who wants me to tick you know these outcomes and get there faster and I'm like well I can't that's not going to happen we are not going to get the outcomes we want unless we slow down and and start those relationships first yeah that's what It's, it's about it's so humbling too to understand that it's like hey hold on a minute like you you can't just buy your way into this or you can't just and i think that's why the government and what they do is so it's so shocking to everybody when it's like it looks like it's just about money and business and and power and it's like that doesn't work in this community it's not about that it's really about like you said relationship and intention and slowing down and and actually giving a shit like oh let's just be genuine people that actually give a shit yeah and help as opposed to pretending you know, and listen, and stand beside, and not stand in front. Stand beside mm. or stand behind, and allow our voices to be first. Mm. When Girl. it comes to Aboriginal issues, allow our voices oh, to be sh- first. Yep, a million percent. There's so hopefully some people in the government are listening to this podcast. I might just send <laughs> this to. <laughs> might just send it over. Um, I was saying goodbye to you like half an hour ago, but I feel like we <laughs> just keep talking. Okay, so for real now. I love you and I honor you and I just thank you for being who you are. And I'm grateful to be your girlfriend. I'm grateful to be a sister. I'm grateful to be able to enjoy your amazing art and to witness you flying and soaring. It makes me so happy. I can't wait to party with you in the flesh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Maddie. Thank you so, so much, girl. And thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. And I really appreciate the first time we met. Mm. I was like fangirling over you. I can't believe that we had met. So everybody listening, here we are again. <laughs> the never-ending podcast. So, <laughs> Maddie, we met at a masterclass the Mother's Day. You were pregnant. Yes, with Yindi. See? But I'd Yindi. been talking to you. I'd been yeah. talking to you about other stuff on, on, on Instagram. Instagram. Yeah, and you sent me, like, voice thingies, and then yeah. I listened to all of your podcasts, and, and I was, like, fangirling. And- I love you. And you're like, I'm coming. Let's have a photo. And, and you know, it's hard because you do, like, I'm like you. I talk to so many people, and I never get offended when someone doesn't remember me because I know how hard it can be when you really genuinely want to connect. And then you're like, and then I remember message you message me after, and I have our photo, and I'm like, I remember taking a photo with you. Like, I remember your face. And I'm like, 
what? So it was a beautiful, I believe it happened, you know, how it had needed to happen. And we came together again. Yes. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. It makes me happy. You're amazing. You're amazing. Thank you. Thank you. My darling, we are in wild times right now. And in order for you to manage your mind and boost your immunity and be level-headed instead of panic, I want to invite you to consider online training, to consider joining a community, a sistership where you are going to be held, where you're going to be supported, where you have a safe space to unravel. And with all this time at home, you can actually better your life and work on yourself. Good news as well, I have now done a 12-month payment plan for the online sisterhood. So many women right now are experiencing trouble with their finances, losing their jobs, being single mothers, not knowing when their next money or paycheck is going to come from. And we are navigating that with our current sisterhood members. We are working with every woman that we can in order to support them in these tough times. And I hear you out there saying, I'd love to join the sisterhood, but I can't afford it. I can't afford six payments. So what I've done is made it a year-long program. It's a year-long program with a year-long payment plan. I really, really want you to consider if this is the time for you to join the sisterhood and work on yourself. It is available to you now. Let's do the damn thing. Thank you so much for listening. I so appreciate your ears, your time, your energy, and your attention. Please do me a favor and head over to Apple iTunes, subscribe so that you don't miss an episode, share this episode with a sister who you know needs to hear it, and if you feel called to, leave me a review. I'd love to know what you think about the podcast. I'd love to know how this information is helping you change your world. Thank you so much for being here. I know that there are many podcasts you could listen to, and I really appreciate you listening to mine. Have a gorgeous week, honey.